able to choke down my food, but with a smile fixed on my face. Sometimes the conversation lagged, and I heard the heavy tick-tock of the grandfather clock in the sitting room, counting off each second that brought me closer to my husband. My stomach roiled, but I smiled wider and gritted out cheerful nothings about how my marriage was an adventure how I was so excited to fight the gentle lord, and by the spirit of our dead mother, I swore she would be avenged. That last made Estrella droop again, but I leaned forward and asked her about the village boy always lingering beneath her window, Ardemastos or some such, and she smiled and laughed soon enough. Why shouldn't she laugh? She could marry a mortal man and live to old age in freedom. I knew my resentment was unfair. Surely she laughed for my sake as I smiled for hers, but it still bubbled at the back of my mind all through dinner, until every smile, every glance she darted at me scraped across my skin. My left hand clenched under the table, nails biting into my palm, but I managed to smile back at her, and pretend. At last the servants cleared away the empty custard dishes. Father adjusted his spectacles and looked at me. I knew that he was about to sigh and repeat his favourite saying, Duty is bitter to taste, but sweet to drink. And I knew that he'd be thinking more about how he was sacrificing one half of his wife's legacy than how I was sacrificing life and freedom. I surged to my feet. Father, may I please be excused? Surprise caught him for a moment before he replied. Of course, Nix. I bobbed my head. Thank you so much for dinner. Then I tried to flee, but in a moment, Aunt Telemachy was at my elbow. Dear, she began softly, and Estrella was at my other elbow. I can talk to her for just a minute, please, can't I? she said and without waiting for an answer, she dragged me up to her bedroom. As soon as the door had closed behind us, she turned to me. I managed not to flinch, but I couldn't meet her eyes. Estrella didn't deserve anyone's anger, least of all mine. She didn't. But for the past few years, whenever I looked at her, all I could see was the reason that I would have to face the gentle lord. One of us had to die. That was the bargain father had struck, and it was not her fault that he had picked her to be the one who lived. But every time she smiled, I still thought, she smiles because she is safe. She is safe because I am going to die. I used to believe that if I just tried hard enough, I could learn to love her without resentment but finally I had accepted that it was impossible. So now I stared at one of the framed cross-stitches on the wall, a country cottage choked in roses, and prepared myself to lie and smile and lie until she had finished whatever tender moment she wanted, and I could crawl into the safety of my room. But when she said, Nix, her voice was ragged and weak, Without meaning to, I looked at her, and now she had no smile, no pretty tears, 
only a fist pressed to her mouth as she tried to keep control. I'm so sorry, she said. I know you must hate me, and her voice broke. Suddenly I remembered one morning, when we were ten, and she dragged me out of the library because our old cat Penelope wouldn't eat and wouldn't drink, and father can fix her, can't he, can't he? But she had already known the answer. No. I grabbed her shoulders. No. The lie felt like broken glass in my throat, but anything was better than hearing that hopeless grief and knowing I had caused it. But you're going to die, she hiccuped on a sob. Because of me. Because of the gentle lord and father's bargain. I managed to meet her eyes and summon a smile. And who says I'll die? Don't you believe your own sister can defeat him? Her own sister was lying to her.